I'll be talking about more than just the Benjamins. Welcome to Fintech Beat, where finance, technology, and policy come together. I'm your host, Chris Brummer, and the future of finance is now. Flutterwave is one of the most valuable companies in Africa, and with a current valuation of $3 billion, is the continent's largest startup. Now, its growth has been driven by its ability to provide a payment infrastructure for global merchants and payment services providers. Its growth has been driven by its ability to provide tools for businesses to send and collect payments, as well as process payments, issue credit cards, and more. Now, by being the first real African digital payments infrastructure company, Flutterwave has set itself on a path to becoming a real global champion and has announced plans for an IPO. But the company's path to success hasn't been perfect, and it's had its fair share of regulatory challenges just as it's getting set to take a victory lap with investors. So I wanted to learn more about the company, about where it's been and where it's going, and I had the opportunity to sit down shortly before the announcement to catch up with Flutterwave CEO, Olubinga Agbula, who goes by the name GB. So sit back as we delve into what it takes to move money and value on the continent, and indeed, around the world. GB, thank you for joining Fintech Beat. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me here. Great to be here today. Let's just start from the top. We are in Washington, D.C., and you guys are a very interesting company, a U.S. company, uh, something that many folks even here may not necessarily know, and those that do may not fully understand what you do. So maybe you can break down the services you provide and give us a sense of the journey you've taken. Thank you, Chris. Um, good to be here again. So Flutterwave is really a payments processing platform. Since I'm talking to U.S. users, I would say similar to the likes of, you know, PayPal and Square, right? And our goal is to help payments become simpler in Africa. In fact, our mission is simplifying payment for handless possibilities, right? Uh, we make payments simple on the continent. We've been existing since 2016. We're live in 30 plus countries all over Africa today. If you get into an Uber in anywhere in Africa, Lagos, Nigeria, Johannesburg, South Africa, um, Cairo, Egypt, you must have used Flutterwave because Uber is one of our esteemed customers, right? Um, we power companies like Uber. We call them enterprises. We also power companies that are large SMBs in Africa and also small SMBs and consumers, right? We have a full spectrum of payment infrastructure across consumers, small businesses, and enterprises. For consumers, we have an amazing product called SendUp that helps people in the U.S. send money back home into Africa. You should try it. It's the best product you will see in remittances ever. Um, and I'm saying this to the Ethiopian community in, in D.C. Um, you know, this is a big opportunity for you guys to just make payments, you know, simpler in sending money back home. Um, for SMBs, we help SMBs in Africa get paid from anywhere in the world. A small business in Lagos, Nigeria will get paid by a customer in DC, in New York, in London, 
wherever you are in the world as a as a as a as a consumer, you can pay an SMB in Africa because we exist. For a large corporate like you know, like Uber, like Netflix, like Microsoft, you know, we enable them to scale their business and tap into the billion people market in Africa via payments. You know, your answer really highlights that knowledge is local and driven by utility. Flutterwave clearly is known, not perhaps in all policy circles, but uh, shout out to the Ethiopian community and the great Ethiopian restaurants just about five blocks from my house. Uh, you know, I think though that the question of payments is an interesting one. When you hear the word payments, what do you have in mind? What What's the nature of the challenges for your customers? Are, are, are payments something different for them? So it's it's really very interesting. We, because we are African, I'm proudly African, um, Nigerian specifically, also a U.S. person. I am of both worlds. I travel very often between my home in Africa, my home in the U.S. As someone who is from diaspora, uh, sending money back home is not even a requirement. It's part of what we have to do, uh, obviously, because a major support group of our, of our day-to-day life is back home in Africa. So when it comes to being able to do that sim- in, the, in the simplest manner, I think that's where Florida Wave excels. We have built a, a great product called SendUp, and SendUp is designed to make it easy, right, for anyone who lives in the U.S., who lives in the U.K., anywhere you are in the world, to send money back home to Africa. We've built a compliant, amazing, simple product. And what that does really is it just makes the experience very, very easy um, when you send money back home to family and friends. So Send Help makes that happen. It's available on the App Store and Android Play Store. And the goal behind the product is obviously in line with our, our vision as a company of simplifying payment for endless possibilities. And the goal here is obviously bring that same infrastructure that powers Uber in Africa to make putting an app for a diaspora in anywhere in the world to send money back home in a quick, easy, and simple manner. Yeah, it's always been my impression, you know, and I've, uh, you know, I, I I go to Africa pretty pretty often, but you know, it's always been my impression at times that their payment systems domestically kind of beat our payment systems even here in in the United States at least at least at a at a, at a national level on, on a national level I mean uh, certainly uh, you know you have in pesa uh, over in Kenya uh, you have by the way other kinds of sort of immediate payments fast payment systems that are cropping up not just in Africa but in other parts of the world so just to dig a little bit deeper you know given some of the development domestically in in many of the countries what is that that added value that you're able to provide that other uh, services and existing services are not so one thing we say at Florida wave is Africa is not a country but we'll make it feel like one uh, and that's because there are 54 countries in Africa today. It's hard to find a payment infrastructure that covers everywhere in Africa via one integration. We have that, right? And that is what we bring to the table for the average person in the US or in the UK, wherever you are in the world, similar into Africa, right? One simple API that makes payments simple for anyone, be it a consumer or a business or an enterprise. So with that infrastructure, right? 
we built everything to make it easy for the Ethiopian living in DC, the Nigerian living in, in New York, the Kenyan living in San Francisco, literally wherever you wherever you're from, if it's Africa, if we're not there, nobody else is there. That's for sure. Today we've got the largest payment network in, in Africa. We're the biggest when it comes to payment processing in on the continent, right? And all this in just eight years. Um, the, my point is, when it comes to making money land where it should go, in the right mobile money wallet, in the right bank account across the continent, we just make that simple for the user. And that is pretty important. And we do it in a safe, secure, and regulatory compliant manner as well. We've taken the time to go across all these countries to get licensed across, across Africa. It's a lot of work, right? But we got it done. Uh, it's a lot of ups and downs as well, but we're here still thriving, making it work. We'll get into some of those ups and downs in a minute, but this is really an enormous amount of hard work. Uh, can you tell us about that building process? How do you build infrastructure on the other side of the world for an entire continent and, and in such a short time? Uh, how does that even compare to the United States when in some ways African countries have more advanced payments systems in the United States, again, uh, when looking at uh, different countries like Kenya? Um, great question, um, Chris. The way I see it, right, um, the, the U.S. is such a very interesting market um, for a, a couple of reasons. One major factor is, unlike in Africa, where I have to get, go get licensed in 54 different countries, in the U.S., that, that's not required, right? I can build a fintech app in the U.S. overnight and launch it the next day. That is easier. In Africa, that is not the case. I have to go and integrate multiple payment types on the continent. In the U.S., again, if you've got a card, you want to buy a, go, go and get a, a cup of coffee, it works. In Africa, if you do that, you have to pray before you, before you try that. Because payment in Africa is, while it's very advanced, it's also very fragmented, right? In Nigeria, you've got pay bank transfer, NIP, Nigeria Interbank Payment System. Those payment types work really well, by the way. They're pretty advanced for, 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 the, for, for the country. But they're not exportable. You can't use an NIP in Kenya or in South Africa. In Kenya, we go in Pesa. Pesa works really well, but you can't use Pesa in, 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 in Uganda. You know, those are the problems. The the fragmentation of payments in Africa is a major, major obstacle to scale. So the the vision that I had when I started this company eight years ago was really to just how do you defragment that problem? How do you create a single infrastructure for payment across the continent? How do you make it simple and easy for that business, that small uh, SMB, that enterprise, that consumer to get paid and pay across, across Africa. And that is the major difference in getting making this happen, right? Each country is distinct, is unique. The nuances, are, the nuances are not the same. The cultural nuances makes it different. But that said, we've done the hard work so that our consumers don't have to worry about that. We've, done, we've gone through the ups and downs, the obstacles required, to just build that gateway, that processing infrastructure that connects that super highway that connects everything together. It's like, like going to the suburb in the US, right? If you don't get on the highway, you can't get there. And what we have is really highway of payment across the continent with a variety of payment types moving across our highway and making it to the destination safely, quickly, and very efficiently. 
when you came with this vision to sort of connect, really, I guess, to, to create a bit of a, of a payments highway across, you know, Africa, what was it like, you know, in, in fundraising? I mean, I, you, you have a really fascinating and, and, and impressive pedigree, you know, over at Y Combinator and other places. But, but when you were first rolling out this idea, what was the reception? I mean, did it require a lot of work on your part or did people immediately kind of get it? Um, the first thing that I had to do was, you know, eat payment like this, like square, like PayPal. You know, I have to bring, you know, try to bring, help, help, help folks understand what I'm trying to build. But to be very honest, Y Combinator played a very massive role in our growth and scale. It gave me the platform at that time to have access to, you know, blue chip investors who are willing to back me and back the company, right? And, you know, and I think... One of, our, one of our biggest, you know, value had in FlutterWave that's supposed to grow and scale is our people, right? Actually, I just went to a town hall just now where we were talking about bragging in our in our in our in our in our team meeting. And um, part of what we're bragging about is just the quality of the people we have in FlutterWave, both old and present, and which has helped us to grow and scale quickly across multiple geographies as we are trying to build the vision of payment in Africa for the present and for the future. That was a major factor in, in fundraising. The team was very important, you know. Uh, myself, some of my co-founders, some of my founding team members, some of the guys we joined along the journey, everybody played a, a very important role in getting us to where we are today. The US is really an interesting space because we are a single market, but the states themselves have rules and we have multiple regulators. So sometimes uh, you need to get one license, sometimes multiple licenses and arguably in others, no license, which makes for a tricky environment. And most companies, uh, including yours, go through growing pains of learning about them. You mentioned ups and downs earlier, and I think perhaps the most high-profile one was when the Kenyan High Court uh, uh, froze Flutterwave's bank accounts for running awry of KYC rules and then uh, prompted questions about licensing to operate payment services in the country. And now you're in the process of, of applying or, or, or reapplying. But, but I'm a bit more interested in learning about that journey here. You know, what have been your larger lessons learned from the standpoint of compliance? And do you think that the lessons you've learned both at Flutterwave and as a company in Africa are, are as applicable to other companies and other kinds of uh, startups in the United States and elsewhere? Um, thanks, Chris. I, I think, um, speaking very honestly, um, a lot of lessons in the past eight years, obviously, a lot of a lot of you know lessons across um, you know scaling the company over multiple geographies in such a short time. But I think one of the biggest one is not every compliance lesson; it's just a, a storytelling lesson, right? Historically, we've, we've we believed in being very quiet and doing our work, thinking our work will speak for itself. Our work did speak for us, to be very honest, but we still gave room for narrative to run that is not our reality as a company, right? One big lesson that I think I've learned is we have to tell our story as a company. We have to share the reality of building a, a business in Africa, a global business in Africa for that matter. Um, it's really hard, right? The risk of having a regulatory infringement increases as you cross more geographies naturally, right? Um, if I was working not too far away in Europe, I will have to apply for one license, one license, one set of rules, one regulatory framework, one compliance infrastructure, and I'm done. Here in Africa, I have to do 50 different licenses 
50 different regulatory requirements, two different compliance infrastructure. That's, that's what it takes. And there's no way, shape or form that you will not stumble if you go through that process. It is hard not to do it, right? And if you look at the companies that have done this over time and they have scaled, they've all stumbled. But guess what? It's part of it's part of a growth story, right? You will stumble. The big deal is that they do, even if you fall, pick yourself up and just keep going, right? The mission, the vision is just is, is the North Star of where we are here. We understand that yes, we will do our very best and we're doing that. We are investing massively in compliance. Um, we have some of the best people in the team. We've built the right third party audit infrastructure. We've scaled our risk division. Compliance is our priority. In fact, in our 2023 goal as a company, one big major priority is building a world-class risk infrastructure for the firm, right? And that is big for us. So we are investing heavily in compliance and risk because obviously um, payment is trust and trust is can only work, can only work at scale and at a scale whereby people know that when you, when you come to Florida Wave, your payment will work and your system is protected. And over time, we have customers who can beat our chest so how we've built and scaled them, right? Like the one, like the Ubers of this world, like our customers who are using our point of sale devices in Africa, like send users. We try to have the best compliance infrastructure right now. And we are going to tell the story of how we got there. It's been a journey of ups and downs, a lot of hard work has gone into the, into, 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 into the process. But I'm very glad that we're where we are today and we're much better for it as well. Well, when you talk about trust, you can quickly get into a conversation that is not only about payments, but it's also about money. And the big question du jour is that when it comes to money and the future of both payments and money, um, what does this mean with the entry of new kinds of technologies, particularly blockchain-based technologies and assets like crypto and stablecoins? How do you view the future of money and payments and do these kinds of things hold any interest to you as the CEO of Flutterwave? Right. So um, the future of payments from the perspective of an African child who has not had breakfast is different from the future of payments from somebody in the US, right? The future of payments sometimes can just be simplicity, right? Payment, I want to send money to my friend or to my mom or to my uncle, and it's just simple and it works. Right? I don't care about stable coin. I don't care about crypto, about blockchain. I just want to send money. To the gentleman or a lady in Africa, that's what they're asking for. Or I'm a small business. I have a customer in China, a customer in India, a customer in New York, and they want to pay me. And I want to send them a payment link or an invoice. And they click. If they have Cash App, it works. If they have UTI in India, it works. If they have Alipay from Beijing or Anjou, it works. That's what they're asking for. So future of payments for Africans is really just simplicity and ease of payment. No one cares about ETH or Bitcoin or no, nobody cares about that. They just want payments to work for them, right? And if you can solve that at a simplistic level for the consumer, that is a feature they're asking for, right? Literally, that's the feature. And the future of payments for an enterprise is different. It's really, how do you help me reduce costs in making my payments? How do I ensure I move money to pay my, my staff or my colleagues at the lowest possible cost with the best efficiency? That is what they're asking for. So I think 
when we get into boss words about payments, we forget the underlying reason why people want to pay. No one likes payments for payment's sake. No one says, oh, I woke up in the morning, oh, I am stretching, but I want to pay somebody. Nope, <laughs> right? <laughs> people pay, people pay, people want to send money for a reason, not send money for sending money's sake, right? Oh, I want to buy my friend a new bag. I want to reward an amazing colleague and buy her something. I want to send money to my mom. I want to pay for a friend's surgery. I want to, people, that's what people think about. Payment happens to be the utility to achieve that goal, right? So I think the future of payment really should be whatever reason I want to use payment for, it happens so seamlessly, like getting to an Uber ride and getting, I don't think of payment. That's how it should be. The future of payment for me will be when payment is no more in the conversation. It becomes so simple and so easy. It's like walking to an Amazon Go store. You walk in, pick up a grocery, and you walk out and you get there. And you have no, you're not, that, that payment thing is not there. That's the future of payment for folks in Africa. And if you ask the guys in the West as well, it's the same thing. They just, you just don't want to pay, right? I want to pay my, my gardener. It should be simple, right? Do I have to remember a 13 digit or 50 digit ETH address? No one really cares about that, right? I mean, the geeks will love that, but the average guy, average Joe on the street, all they want to do is pay and get paid in the simplest possible way that works for them. Okay, well, well then, so what, what, what then do you see as uh, the next steps for, for, for Flutterwave? I mean, what, what then is the future for Flutterwave other than certainly delivering on, on that core message that you're just talking about, about making it as simple as possible? Um, is, is there a strategy where you look at certain parts of the economy? Are you looking to grow uh, in new ways uh, beyond Africa? What's next? Um, so it's really just about, in, in my opinion, market penetration. We have gone very wide, very early. And I want to go deeper, right, as we scale our business. We're at a point in the company industry where, you know, before now, if I'm trying to refer to amazing products, I will refer to Square or Cash App. That has stopped. Now I refer to Send Up or Tushan, right, our product. And they are incredibly world class. Like you can you can put cash up beside send up, and you'll be like, wow, send up is killing it. And I'm not just bragging here. I I want people to try this out and try me what I'm saying here. That's the reality of our, of our business. So we had a point in the company's journey where we know how to build beautiful products, like pretty products, right? Now, but we're not just building, making it pretty for 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 just pretty sake. The goal here is we're making it pretty because we want to build the best customer experience for our customers. We want people to have that delightful moment because they have come across our infrastructure in whatever whatever shape or form, right? And that's how we think about the business and how we think about penetrating the market for a consumer, for a small, for an SMB and for an enterprise. That's how we, we see payments. Every SMB on our platform should have a beautiful experience, right? Um, and, and here's the point, right? If a customer, if a consumer decides to pay somebody and they've made that emotional decision to make that payment, we want to be an enabler for that payment, unless it's fraud, where we want to stop it for that, for, that, for, that, for that merchant. But if it's not fraud, we want to enable that payment to happen for our customers in whatever, you know, whatever segment they belong in, whatever sector they are in, we want to be that enabler of business growth. We used to call that 
enabling a wave of shared prosperity across Africa. GB, I hear your passion. Uh, I hear your focus. And I, I, I guess I'm really never going to think about the words pretty and beautiful and delight in quite the same way. Thanks so much, man, for joining the show. Thanks, Chris. I had fun. Flutterwave is interesting in part because it's an African company launched in the United States, and it has plenty of American DNA, both in its funding model and its laser-like focus on customers and the customer experience. But that very focus on the African customer makes it necessarily very African as well. And if it executes the right way, it gives the company a very distinct advantage and positioning. Still, what will, of course, be interesting is how Flutterwave does with all the more scrutiny that comes with an initial public offering and how Flutterwave leverages its early mover advantage in a space that potentially could transform it into not only a premier African country, but also into an important global one. But it's still critical to recognize that Flutterwave is already an international company. It spans different cultures, peoples, and nations on the continent, which, while creating sources of friction and regulatory risk, could, if managed effectively, position it to be uniquely suited to conquer the world. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd love to get your feedback. If you'd like to get in touch, just hit me up at ChrisBrummerDR. That's at C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-M-M-E-R-D-R. We'd love to hear from you.